All right, guys, welcome in to today's episode of the Southeast News Podcast. It is Monday, March 18th, 2019. On today's episode of the podcast, going to share uh, our Midwest region preview uh, that we did on the Marching to Madness podcast, which is the, the national podcast that I host as well. I mean, if you already know that. Uh, but since there are SEC teams in each region, what I'm going to do is repost our entire discussion here within episodes on the Southeast Hoots podcast. That way no one misses it. Uh, even if you subscribe to both, uh, you can pick whichever one you want to listen to. Uh, they are both going to pretty much be the same. Uh, but for those of you who maybe don't subscribe to the national stuff, you just want the SEC stuff, uh, that way you can get it here as well. So it was a complete breakdown of the region, matchup by matchup, uh, going through all the ones. So even if it didn't include Kentucky and Auburn, which are the two teams out of the SEC in the Midwest, uh, you're going to get information on those games. That way you kind of know what to expect. If you're an Auburn fan, if you're a Kentucky fan, your team advances, you want to know what they could possibly run into uh, down the line. We went through every single game, gave you some key stats, lots of storylines to look out for, plus made some picks on the teams that could advance uh, and which teams may advance to the Final Four for the right to potentially play for a national championship. So let's go ahead and dive in. Uh, a very lengthy discussion. We did 30 minutes plus on this region. Uh, so if you're a fan, you either you, maybe you just want to get some advice on picking your bracket. Maybe uh, you're a non-Auburn or Kentucky fan that, that wants information. A lot of good stuff in here as we go through the entire bracket. So let's go ahead and jump into our 2019 NCAA Tournament Midwest Region Preview. Start at the top, uh, Ken. The number one seed in the Midwest is North Carolina taking on the 16 seed, Iona. That game will take place on Friday at 9.20 p.m. Eastern in Columbus. North Carolina currently a 24-and-a-half point favorite. Um, you know, it is kind of what it is at this point, Ken. We look at the 116 matchup. I know, you know, look back last year, we said that about a lot of those. And then we saw what happened with, with UNBC. Uh, and Virginia, but I think when we look at this particular matchup, I always like to look at teams that you know that, that maybe can win these types of games that they play different styles. But I think the problem here for Iona is that they play sort of a similar style. It's going to be up and down the floor. These two teams want to get up and down the floor. Hey, if they're both making shots, uh, this could be our 100 to, to 80 something type of game here. Yeah, and uh, North Carolina's been so good this year, and I I think they've. Even though they've beaten Duke twice, they've they've gotten really shortchanged uh, in the ACC, as have a lot of other people with just all the Duke hype and how you know uh, well the Tar Heels have played. I think the three seniors, Luke May, Cam Johnson, and Kenny Williams, uh, are going to be um, you know really locked in. This is going to be potentially their third Final Four uh, if they can get there. Uh, and you know, they're, they're all quality kids. They've gone about doing things, uh, the right way. And within that Carolina system, Iona, the Gales, they've got, um, uh, a junior laden squad. They return their top seven players. Like you say, they, they're going to be in transition. And, uh, you know, honestly, for a mid-major team against North Carolina, that, that doesn't spell too well for the mid-major team. Yeah, that's what we said. I think usually contrast in styles is what helps you, you know, in that type of scenario. I think trying to play with North Carolina and 
and be better at them than that particular style uh, is going to be tough to do. But listen, we always talk about teams that are hot. I, I own as one ten straight. They shoot a lot of threes. Um, but it's just, I think, when you look at the efficiency on both sides from North Carolina, the top ten in both offensive and defensive efficiency, their offensive rebounding ability, we know kind of how they do that year in and year out. A lot of threes, though. I mean, that's what gives you a chance. If you're hitting threes, hey, anything's possible. Uh, but I think it's safe to say that the Tar Heels have themselves uh, a pretty nice matchup there as the one seed in the Midwest. Moving on to a much more intriguing matchup, I think, Ken. That's the eight seed, Utah State, taking on the nine seed, Washington. That is a Friday game as well, 6.50 p.m. Eastern. Utah State currently a two-and-a-half-point favorite. That's also in Columbus. I mean, this is one of those, the 8-9 games are always kind of hard to, to project because you certainly, I mean, that's why they're 8-9 seeds. They're they're there kind of as teams that, that are very similar to each other in a sense. Uh, but I know, Ken, you're, you're the Conference of Champions guy here, and I know we've been high on Washington. But, you know, you look at this Utah State team, I don't necessarily think it's a great matchup for Washington except for the fact that we know – having to prepare for that zone can be a problem for teams but when you look at Utah State's just sort of overall type of makeup if they can maybe control the rebounding you know which which happens a lot with teams going up against that zone they have a deep rotation they got a lot of depth on that roster I don't know this is a terrible matchup there for the Aggies I I know and I think uh uh, the fact that the athleticism is in the favor of Washington, though, with Matisse Thibel, who's been such a great defensive stopper. I think overall he's probably the best defensive player in the nation. Uh, if you want to, uh, you know, peg one person, uh, that two, three zone, like you say, it, it's going to be tough because he's got all the nuances that Jim Bayheim his mentor uh, for years, actually at Syracuse, um, uh, has uh, impaled. And if you get to a second-round matchup, you know, North Carolina's only going to have one day to prepare for that zone. So that could be a problem on down the road. But Utah State, Sam Merrill, he's he's uh, scored uh, consistently. Their leading scorer at a high rate this year. They run a very good offensive system, lots of different sets, lots of different actions off the sets. Um, and big guy to watch in the middle is Nemias Kata. A six foot eleven, two hundred and forty pound freshman who could rebound the ball. And he's pretty good around the rim. This is going to be a really interesting game to watch, and I'll give either team a shot against Carolina. See, and that's what I was going to say too. As much as I like North Carolina, I don't know that it's a great matchup either way. No matter which team they get in the second round, and that's that's what makes this tournament fascinating. Is you don't really know sometimes matchup wise. That's what it's all about, and we say that every year. But it's going to be intriguing no matter which one of these two teams advance, uh, I think, because you're going to have a different sort of preparation. I mean, you're going to have to prepare differently for either one. Uh, But this will. This will be one of the better first-round games, it feels like. And I think if you're Washington, certainly you you want to try to play more consistently because you're going to have to against Utah State team that's lost just one time uh, since January the 9th, and that was to San Diego State. So it's it's a team that's kind of proven itself uh, and certainly – Going to try to do that here uh, to maybe make a a Cinderella type of run in this tournament. Moving on down, Ken, to uh, a matchup that I know you and I have talked about a lot since it uh, came out. And a lot of people people have been talking about this. And we won't spend too much time 
uh, on sort of the issue itself, I think, of Auburn not just getting the five seed, which maybe isn't the biggest issue here. It's the fact that they're going to be playing New Mexico State as the 12 on Thursday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern in Salt Lake City uh, going on down the line because Auburn wins the SEC tournament in convincing fashion against Tennessee. Uh, yet it was pretty obvious that it did absolutely nothing for their seating or placement whatsoever in terms of having to play in Salt Lake City, having to play on Thursday. However, if you and I know Bruce Pearl like we do, that is part of a motivational process that I think will be included in this particular matchup. But, Ken, it is not going to be an easy matchup at all against a New Mexico State State team that has won 30 games. you got a great coach on the other side in Chris Chan's. Another team where you've got both of these who put up three-pointer after three-pointer, both in the top ten nationally in three-point field goal attempts. It's going to be another fun game here. Right, and, and the Aggies have two small guards, the 5'9", A.J. Harris, the one, Terrell Brown. Uh, they're going to get in transition with Auburn, so that's not a bad thing. You know, you if you're, if you're an Auburn fan, uh, you want people to engage them and invite them uh, to transition because we saw this weekend they are very good in the half court defensively. They get down under the basketball. They flip away a lot of balls. They get out in transition. They run. They shot that three, three ball uh, in Nashville with precision, and they shot it in rhythm. And, I, you know, like you say, this, this was a terrible – uh, deal by the NCAA with this draw for what they did to Auburn. And think about this. And if chalk holds, Auburn will play Kansas, which, you know, this this is not a, a vintage Kansas team. I think you'd have to like Auburn in that matchup. But then they would they would go, have to go through North Carolina and Kentucky. So that, that wasn't uh, – it was really disrespectful, I think, for a team that won four in a row in four days and, and won in, in probably one of the top two conferences in America. Well, some other things to keep an eye on in this one in particular. I, you just said it. I think the Midwest is the toughest region of all four. Um, and when you look at it from top to bottom, when you compare all four, I think the Midwest is, is I don't want to say easily the toughest, but it's, it's pretty close to, to maybe easily being the toughest uh, if you go down from top to bottom. New Mexico State, one area they can possibly take advantage of, offensive rebounding. Uh, They are eighth in the country in offensive rebounding percentage, 19th in offensive rebounds per game. Uh, They also shoot it very well from inside the perimeter, ninth in the country, two-point field goal percentage. So if you're talking about a team, let's say Auburn doesn't shoot the ball well, uh, New Mexico State certainly has the horses uh, to to be able to, to make this game very intriguing. Uh, they both teams have depth both have guys that they can play in different sort of spots Uh, it's a fascinating matchup if Auburn's hitting if they're forcing turnovers I think it's a tough sort of sort of draw for New Mexico State Uh, but it will you know it's going to be a fun game and and like we said I think it's just matchup and styles you've got two teams that play similar styles here and I think looking at it that way it is advantage Auburn uh, as long as they're forcing turnovers and making their three-point shots Right, and New Mexico State already has 30 wins. I mean, they've they've done more than what they should have in winning the WAC. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a better WAC than it was a couple of years ago. But uh, 
keep an eye on them. They they played Kansas like to a three-point game at Kansas uh, when they had LeGerald Vick and Udoka uh, back before Christmas. Well, I think this whole entire section here, when we talk about the game we're fixing to go into as well, is very intriguing. And, I, and I'll tell you, I could see it going, you know, you could have multiple combinations here for that second-round matchup. And we go to Kansas as the number four against number 13 Northeastern, also on Thursday, 4 p.m. Eastern. Kansas currently a seven-point favorite. That's in Salt Lake City as well. And that's what I mean when I say we could see the, the two underdogs advance here, and I don't know that it would be shocking in either form or fashion just because of the way they play. You mentioned it a second ago, Kansas. This is not your vintage Kansas team. There's not as much experience on that roster. Whereas, look at Northeastern. A lot of guys who came back this season from a team that just narrowly you know, had a chance to get there last year. You bring all those guys back. Listen to this. Top 35 nationally in two-point field goal percentage, three-point field goal percentage, and free throw percentage. Ken, you can sell me on a team that, that excels in all three of those areas. Not going to be as easy going up against a Kansas team with that type of length. But, man, if you can shoot that efficiency and you have it in all three of those scoring areas, you're in a pretty good spot to me. Yeah, I, and, you know, they've got a really good point guard, Bassa. Uh, he's a great offensive player. He gets the ball out in transition, and this team flies. They run very good offensive sets for uh, veteran coach and Bill Cohen who we've had on the podcast. Uh, And, uh, you know, this is not a great shooting Kansas team, but it's not a really good defensive team in Northeastern. I I think it's going to be a close game, and it's going to go down to the final minute. Yeah, I think this will be one of the better games uh, and just maybe one that people aren't expecting to be. But I think also you look at that line, seven points for a 4-13 sometimes. That that probably feels a little low to some people, but I think it's warranted uh, when you've got a Northeastern team that can shoot the ball as well as they can. Several guys who can knock down three-pointers at a consistent rate. They can also defend. Uh, And then tempo. I think tempo is going to be something here too where you look at these two teams kind of knowing how they want to play. This is one of those that, that maybe, you know, Kansas is Kansas, and a lot of people may just, you know, kind of advance them based on that. But if you dig deeper in Northeastern, it could be one of those games you look at as a possible uh, upset type of special in this tournament. Uh, moving on down the bracket, Ken, we go down to number six, Iowa State, taking on number 11, Ohio State, on Friday, 9.50 p.m. Eastern. And uh, that's in Tulsa. Iowa State currently a six point favorite. We always say it's about getting hot at the right time. I would say certainly doing that. Uh, they win the Big 12 tournament. Um, you know, a balanced offensive attack, I think, when you look at it there. And you look at Ohio State, and I don't want to be someone who is raining on anyone's parade, um, but if you look at Ohio State's overall body of work, their best win of the season came in their first game, and that was against Cincinnati uh, in the very first game of the season. Beyond that, you know, I think they beat maybe three, four NCAA tournament teams. Uh, and it's just, I don't know. Ohio State's good enough mm. defensively. We know how Chris Holtman is, that they're going to play their butts off defensively. We know that. Uh, and they're going to have to, I think, to win a game like this against Iowa State. It's not, I, I don't, I think if Ohio State has the 11 seed getting in, that's fine. I don't necessarily think this was a great draw for Ohio State by any means because you are facing a red-hot Cyclones team uh, that has that balanced offense that that can kind of exploit them a little bit. I'll tell you what, you don't want to rain on the Buckeyes parade, but I'll drown (laughs) it. I'll put a thunderstorm 
and actually actually flood their parade. They have no business in this bracket. They don't have any business in the NIT for crying out loud. <laughs> they they have you know th- this is the type thing that that just it it takes away the credibility in a sense from the NCAA selection committee. When you've got teams like Greensboro and Lipscomb that are up around 30 wins, if you win 25 to 30 basketball games, I don't care what conference you're in. There's no way you should be bowing to a mediocre uh, power conference team out of the Big Ten that probably got in there because their name is Ohio State and they're synonymous with football. Okay. <laughs> That being said, I, that's enough. Uh, you know, I could go on a Stephen A. Smith rant on oh, this. Oh boy! Yeah, K, uh, Caleb Wesson. They're going to need their big man. They had he was suspended, I yep. think, for a three-game stretch. But I don't think it's going to matter. Mariel Shayok uh, has probably been the most consistent offensive player in the Big 12 this year. He averages 18.7 points per game. And check this out. You know, the Cyclones beat Kansas twice. They beat Kansas State twice, and they beat Texas Tech. They've had plenty of experience uh, playing against and beating teams that are much better than what they're going to see here. Well, we're not going to make some of our picks until later on in the show, but I don't think you need to uh, be able to have any sort of decipher uh, exactly what Ken's pick is going to be for that particular game. I think we kind of all know at this point uh when you look at the Buckeyes going up against the Cyclones uh but it is I well, you know I said it before you talked about it. I think it's just a really good draw for, for Iowa State in that first round matchup uh there especially in Tulsa uh so it's, it's a pretty good spot I think for them moving on down Ken Houston is the number three seed taking on the 14 seed Georgia State also on Friday 7 20 p.m eastern Houston currently a 12 point favorite and that one, you talk about teams that, that maybe haven't gotten the credit they deserve this season. Houston is 31-3. and three. <laughs> They have cool. won 31 of their 34 yeah. games this season. Um, and you want to talk about a defense. They are first in effective field goal percentage defense. They are second in just straight-up field goal percentage defense. Um, their defense, and I wrote this in my notes. This is exactly how I have it worded. Houston's defense, comma, Final four, good. Like, it is good enough to drive them to the final four with the way they play defense. Uh, on the other side, you know, DeMarcus Simon, someone, one of the, I love watching him play. I mean, he's someone that's really fun to watch. Good to see Georgia State back in the tournament yet again. Uh, they were there last year, of course, as we know. And then, you know, it's another team, too, that shoots the ball really well from outside. And if they're able to kind of get going, maybe they can exploit some of that. And the three balls, we know, the great equalizer at times. Uh, if they can get hot, they're a top 23-point percentage team. They have some experience. Maybe they can make things interesting here. But but I love kind of the way Houston's been playing. Throw out the, the conference championship game against Cincinnati. This is a really good team. And like we said, you mentioned North Carolina maybe getting overlooked uh, because of a different reason. But I think Houston's just gotten overlooked, period, even as a number three seed. Yeah, and, you know, they they've Kelvin Sampson's done an absolutely awesome job building this program back, you know, to where it's uh, uh, it's going to be a top-caliber program in the country as long as he's there. And I, I, their defense, like you say, and their rebounding also, they're very physical. I mean, they're going to bring the fight to you. Uh, you know, Coach Brian Gregory here at uh, USF in Tampa uh, and uh, 
Kelvin Sampson both come off the, the coaching tree, the Tom Izzo coaching tree, and that's where you get that physicality, you know, uh, and, and defense personified. Corey Davis and Armani Brooks have been really good as guards. The big man inside, really physical post, Breon Brady still doesn't get uh, uh, as much uh, notoriety, notoriety as he should. Did Galen Robinson has just had another great year uh, for the coach. Georgia State, 39% from three. Uh, you know, they're going to probably try to speed this game up with Houston. It'll be interesting to see if Houston thinks they can engage them because we've seen the Cougars uh, not they're they're not a uh, such a defense first team that they won't get out and score. They've got plenty of scoring weapons. So, uh, you know, probably a pretty interesting game. But I, I think the Cougars pull away. Yeah, and we said you know there's a reason why they got a three seed, and and we talk about kind of maybe not getting enough credit. But I mean, think about it. Team beat Oregon. They beat LSU. They beat Utah State. They beat Cincinnati mm-hmm. a couple of times. They got a lot of good wins um, mm-hmm. when you go throughout their schedule. Uh, so, so yeah, and, and look, all three losses are teams that made the NCAA tournament. So that's something, too. Yeah, they're thir- 31 of 34 wins, but all three of their losses, none of them to teams outside of this NCAA tournament. So uh, that kind of shows you, I think, what's possible for, for that Houston team, and they're one certainly, and that's why I think it adds to uh, the Midwest being the strongest region because up and down, you know, one through six, really, one through six, you can go up and down. I mean, you can go almost to eight probably. You know, we're going to talk about yeah. the other teams here in a second you got a lot of strong teams in there uh, in this region. And here we go with another one. The seventh seed is Wofford, taking on number 10, Seton Hall, Thursday, 9.40 p.m. Eastern. Wofford currently a three-point favorite. That'll take place in Jacksonville. Ken, you'll get to see both of these games we're going to talk about here in this part of the bracket. Um, listen, Wofford goes 18-0 in what was a very, very tough conference um, you know, the SOCON, we've said it for a couple years now. Look out for the SOCON. There's teams that are building. There's teams that have a chance to make a lot of noise. That conference has gotten so much better. They've won 20 straight games. Um, you, you look at it. I mean, Fletcher McGee, his three-point shooting ability. Wofford, they're not just a team. Yes, they're really good at, at several different things, but think about the depth that they have on that roster as well. They take care of the ball. <sighs> What's not to like about a team like that? Right, and in addition to Fletcher McGee, Cameron Jackson is a good big man, 6'8", 6'9", uh, 230, 240, can go inside out. He's a tough matchup uh, uh, on both the perimeter and the boxes, and this team shot 41.6% from the three-point line. Watch Nathan Hoover as well. He's a Memphis, Tennessee product. That's another Good three-point shooter for Mike Young, who's been there, I think, 18 years uh, and has uh, really, really uh, done a a remarkable job, I think, in in building this program, as have, uh, like you say, several of the other coaches in the Southern Conference, uh, uh, as Greensboro, East Tennessee State, and Furman were all, uh, you know, legitimate, uh, I would have thought, contenders for, uh, you know, NCAA or at least NIT positioning. And I think Greensboro and Furman did get the NIT and maybe ETSU goes to the CBI. But anyway, 
the Terriers against the Hall, you know, uh, Seton Hall, Miles Powell's their good score, 22.9 points per game. Him and McGee, you know, could get into a shootout. I think we'll see a very high score in basketball game. It's been a schizophrenic, almost Pirates team. They beat Kentucky early. Then they started three and five in the Big East before coming on and uh, beating Marquette and Villanova near the end of the season. Yeah, they got some good wins here down the stretch. I mean, like we said, we, we like teams who are playing well at this point in the season. You certainly don't want to count out a team that has Miles Powell with his scoring ability. Uh, but I do. I just, you know, this Wofford team, another one where we had no idea where they were going to be seated. Um, you know, I think a lot of teams were, were hoping that, that maybe they wouldn't be in this scenario. And I think one team probably hoping that as well is number two, Kentucky, uh, going up against number 15, Abilene Christian on Thursday, 7, 10 p.m. Eastern. Kentucky currently a 23 and a half point favorite uh, in that one. Uh, it's a running joke every year, Ken. Uh, we know John Calipari, and it's, you know, he embraces it now, but the, the Kentucky getting a tough draw. But I think, like we said, it, it is a tough draw, and there's no knocking that this season. Um, th- this is certainly a not a great draw for the Wildcats across the board when you think about trying to get to a Final Four. Um, Abilene Christian, look, it's a team that has experience. They shoot a lot of threes. That's what, you know, Coach Cal was talking about uh, right after the bracket was announced. Uh, they're going to put up threes. They're 19th in the country, three-point field goal percentage, shooting 38.3%. However, Kentucky's size, their ability to get to the free throw line, I mean, I think everyone knows kind of kind of the way this game should play out. Uh, I think overall, when you look at it, the Wildcats, despite that loss to Tennessee uh, there in what was the, one of the better games of the season, I think we've seen, you know, you and I got a chance to see it in person, but the Wildcats mm-hmm. are really starting to hit their groove, and they're going to be a tough matchup for anyone in this region. Yeah, I think their physicality is going to be on display here with, of course, like you say, P.J. Washington, Reed Travis. I thought Nick Richards was really active and played really well uh, in the two games we saw him play in Nashville. Uh, it's an Abilene Christian team led by Jaron Lewis and Jalen Franklin in the backcourt. They're going to be chunking three balls as well. And and like Cal said, all it takes is a team to get a little confidence in that three-point stroke and start knocking them down. And then all of a sudden, uh, the two and the 15 drop beside the team's names because the 15 all of a sudden thinks they can beat the two. Uh, Abilene Christian is just going to be so undersized, I think. Yep, I think just like we said, Kentucky's ability to get the foul line, just get second-chance opportunities, something like that. Uh, it's one of those deals where, you know, I just they should be able to kind of overwhelm them. But I'll say this too. Kentucky's biggest weakness throughout the season, and it got a lot better, but we know especially maybe halfway through the year, their biggest weakness was defending the three. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, let's say they do kind of revert back to bad habits. It could certainly be an interesting game. Uh, But but I think, you know, as we know, Kentucky should have a really good shot to advance here in this part of the bracket. All right, Ken, to our favorite part uh, of these breakdowns that we do, we're going to go through – uh, five different sort of questions, categories, type of stuff, four or five. We'll, we'll figure out how as we go along. Uh, let's start uh, with our most anticipated matchup, first-round matchup in this region, Ken. Well, there are a lot of them, I, yep. I think, that you can point to. Uh, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to stick with Utah State and Washington just because of the contrasts and style. I think uh, if, if it's a 
if it's a faster paced game, it's going to favor the Aggies. If, if Washington can settle it down and make them play the half court, uh, you know, with the zone, obviously that's in the Huskies favor, but Washington's got a score. I mean, they can't come out and lay 48 points up on the scoreboard like they did against Oregon, yeah. uh, and expect to win. So, uh, I'm going with the Aggies and, uh, Huskies. All right. Like you said, there's plenty you could go to. Since you went with that one, uh, that was probably going to be my pick. I'll just go straight down the line there. Auburn, New Mexico State, because you have two teams that put up so many friggin' three-pointers. I mean, they're going to shoot so many threes, and that's what we said earlier. I mean, if they're hitting, if both those teams are hitting threes, look out, because uh, that could be a game that gets up in the high 80s, something like that. Uh, You never know. You know, neutral court, as we always say, getting accustomed to rims and all that type of stuff. you got the altitude, which people are going to make a lot of. But if both those teams are hitting shots, that could be a really, really fun matchup Uh, when you look at it there. Certainly some other uh, great options, uh, I think, at that point as well. All right, Ken, um, let's look at your upset special. Who is uh, the one team you're looking at as the the upset, just just first-round upset here in this one? Yeah, I'd go Northeastern over Kansas. I, I think, like you're saying, I think the experience factor of the Huskies uh, and then the fact that if if Kansas wants to engage them in a 94-foot foot battle, Northeastern will be more than willing uh, with, with Pusica in the backcourt uh, to oblige because I'll tell you, he's going to be the best overall guard on the floor in that matchup, all intangibles and, and all basketball-related uh, 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 statistics considered. Well, you know, I think that's where I would go to, and that's just because, again, you have a team that has that chemistry, and, and chemistry is something, too, we talk about a lot this season, you know, and it just they have a, they have a chemistry. And, you know, they play well together. They're a good passing team. They have that experience, like we said. And I just think their ability to, to do different things against a Kansas team that we've seen that is vulnerable. This Kansas team is vulnerable. If there's been one, you know, it's this one that, that has kind of been vulnerable heading into this particular spot. So I will also, I don't think it's a lock. I don't really know that there's any upset locks in this region. Uh, we mentioned the, the Auburn-New Mexico State game. That one's intriguing, but... If I had to pick one, I do think Northeastern's got a pretty good shot uh, there against the Jayhawks. All right, Ken, let's look now at the seven seed or lower that you feel the best about winning multiple games in this region, if any. If there's not any, that's fine. But is there a seven seed or lower that you think uh, feel pretty good about their chances to win a couple games in this region? Yeah, uh, you know, this, this again, this this is a hard question just based on what the matchups you presume will be. Yep. But what about Wofford? What, uh, you know, Wofford, it would be the seven, uh, and, you know, 99% sure they'll play Kentucky. Kentucky, like like we were saying, has a tough time, def- or has had a tough time defending the three ball. Uh, and Fletcher McGee, Nathan Hoover, and Cameron Jackson are all about that. And, and Mike Young's offense has plenty of options in it to get these guys threes and get them at different places on the floor. So I would I would say I'm not yet picking a Wofford upset over Kentucky, but if we're going to pick 
seven or lower, I'd go with Wofford. Yeah, I think that's the team that has the best chance, like you said, because of what they've done to this point. Um, you know, if we want to take it a step further, we we picked a possible Northeastern Kansas upset. We always say if you get past that first game, you get that type of upset. Would Northeastern, if they prove they can beat Kansas, would they would they be able to match up against Auburn and Mexico State? Sure they would. Uh, but if we're talking best chance, uh, which I don't, you know, and you said it too, I don't necessarily think there's a team in here that has that best chance that you're saying, okay, I feel really good about it. Uh, just because it's so tough at the top, like we said in this region, when you go up and down these top five, six seeds, however you want to look at it, um, it's going to be a tough task for any of those teams, seven or beyond, uh, to win multiple games. But you talk about Wofford, they've proven it. They've proven their ability to beat really good teams. So maybe they would be the best choice, even though they'd be going up against a Kentucky team uh, that we really like and feel like they have a really oh, good yeah. chance to get to the Final Four. But that's a good segue into the next question, which is how many teams realistically do you feel like can win this Midwest region? I'm going to say five, uh, and I'm going to settle on North Carolina, of course, Kentucky. Uh, I'm going to stay with Houston, Iowa State, at Auburn. And I think, you know, they have varying degrees of potential to do that, but I think all five of those are, are are potentially, you know, good picks. I'm going to take it a step further and say six, and here's why. Even though we said what we said about Kansas against Northeastern, if Kansas gets past these first two games, where is the Sweet 16? It is in Kansas City. Oh, yeah. And so you think about that. Even with this Kansas team, the first time they've lost to Big 12 in, you know, 68,000 years. But it's like if they are able to get past those first couple games and let's say they're potentially playing a North Carolina and then maybe a Kentucky in Kansas City, you could have the equalizer there in terms of being able to keep out, you know, other fans. You're getting that in Kansas City. I don't think it's going to happen uh, because, like we said, we just don't feel like this Kansas team has that it, those intangibles that maybe previous teams have had. But I will say six because it, it, when weird things happen and, and that's, look, they're a four seed and, and they've certainly got an opportunity uh, to put themselves in that spot. All right, Ken, let's wrap it up. Uh, the one, the only, your pick for the winner of the Midwest region. Yeah, th- this is really hard because, like I tell you, I can yep. make a case for five teams, and you're right about Kansas. That Kansas City thing is that that that's almost absurd for the committee to put them in a position where they could get back to Kansas City. That's like letting Duke and Carolina play uh, in Charlotte or Greensboro for all of these years. But anyway, I'm going to say Kentucky. Uh, I think they they've they've proven this year that they've gotten a lot better. They, uh, they're, they're physical as they can be inside. Uh, you know, they've got to get, they've got to get good, good, solid, consistent games out of Hagen's and Johnson. Uh, and, uh, I think, uh, the rest of it will take care of itself. It's tough for me. I've gone back and forth. And even when we say all these teams feel like can win the region, it's hard. It's hard to go past North Carolina, Kentucky and feel like, you know, these two teams are really, really, really good. Um, you know, I, I like Kentucky too, because I, I just think that they kind of have something about them. And I almost, and I don't want to say this, you know, I don't think Kentucky has an easier road than North Carolina to get there. Um, you know, but we said matchup wise, let's say North Carolina is sitting there, 
um, you know, in a situation where maybe they get a, a sort of interesting, intriguing matchup against Utah State, then have to go up against a, a three-point shooting team like Auburn or the Kansas thing in Kansas City. Um, I, I think Kentucky, just knowing how they've improved from game one when they got blown out by Duke, uh, their rebounding ability, having basically the, their four big guys who can you know rebound with anyone, and that could be something that they can kind of take out one of North Carolina's strengths. Uh, so I will also go with the Wildcats uh, to advance, but boy, th- that's a toss-up to me between those two teams. All right, there you go. There is our breakdown of the Midwest region for the 2019 NCAA tournament. You got some thoughts on uh, Auburn, on Kentucky, what their chances are of advancing through this bracket and potentially playing for a Final Four. You also got my pick. Um, you know, as tough as the region is, you look at Kentucky, you, there's just a lot to like. And if they're able to navigate, I really think that second round matchup against Wofford is one of the most intriguing games for them uh, in this thing because. Being able to go up against that team and beat a team like that uh, would give you a lot of confidence going into that second weekend, and I like the matchups, kind of how Kentucky would fare against some of those other teams. So uh, that's why the Wildcats feel like a good pick uh, out of that region, but as you heard us talk about, that is a loaded region, and you could just as easily see a team like Auburn being right there in the mix based on how well they're playing right now uh, and you know, kind of having a, an intriguing sort of uh, matchup on their side as well uh, if they're able to get past that New Mexico State game, which is not going to be an easy task for Bruce Pearl's squad. So uh, that'll wrap up this episode of the podcast. As I mentioned earlier, more region-by-region breakdowns coming since there is an SEC team in every region. Uh, I will repost our Marching to Mattis previews here on Southeast Suits podcast as well. That way no one misses it. So be sure you're subscribed. Uh, go over to any podcast app you use just search for southeast hoops that way you don't miss any of the stuff uh, on the way here as we go throughout the ncaa tournament lots more stuff on the way over southeasthoops.com as well uh also doing some other stuff periscopes all sorts of things so be sure you follow me on twitter at the blake level for lots more sec basketball discussion so uh thanks as always for listening and i will talk to you guys next time